You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio program. And what a program we have for you today. We'll also be talking with the folks over at uh, General Motors uh, about one of their features and a few of their features kind of uh, using technology uh, for safety. Uh, one of them we want to talk about today is uh, Super Cruise. Uh, I actually had a chance to check this out, John. You know, I have a Tesla, so I've got kind of the auto steer. This is uh, General Motors version of it that kind of comes with the vehicle. Uh, if you've got Super Cruise, you have this feature. It is kind of cool, John, because you can be on a highway and it will just kind of drive for you. It's kind of like an adaptive uh, uh, cruise control, but it can also change lanes. And, and how how comfortable you are, are you using it? I have to be honest, like, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to take your hands yeah. <laughs> off the wheel, right? Because you never know. Unless you're on a closed course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll be talking about uh, this, but uh, overall, it's pretty comfy. I mean... When it's changing lanes, it scares the hell out of you. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. how does it know? Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you uh, kind of what happened uh, with me in that segment. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the big Amazon event this week. Uh, Amazon uh, had a big announcement with uh, a bunch of uh, new devices, uh, new, uh, I guess, sleep tracking device, and uh, a way to extend the internet in your house using some of their um their little echo speakers. I think this is a really cool thing. I love it. Because this is going to solve the problem that, you know, what's the number one question we get asked all the time? Yeah, my internet's not working in my house. Or it's really crappy. Yes. Yeah. This and this could fix it. Yeah. Like really, really fix it. Well, it fixes it in a unique way, which we'll talk about. Let's get into some of the tech news, uh, John. Uh, this is, uh, you know, for people, and important to know, uh, there's a Google Photos bug that corrupted images uploaded between 2013 and 2015. I love Google Photos because once you've installed it on your, your mobile device, your computer, it just kind of automatically just uploads any photos that come into it. Yeah, and it's uh, arguably one of the easiest and fastest ways to find a photo because it uses artificial intelligence to sort of uh, figure out what's in the photo. So if you're looking for cat photos, it'll show you all the cat photos you've ever taken. So my challenge is, John, so this is a problem that happened between 2013 and 2015. I just don't, I don't know when I started using Google Photos. <laughs> I'm sure it was probably back then. Yeah. So I, how, how worried should listeners be? Well, I, I think what you'd need to do is hope that you have a backup. And like, What do you mean? like? Well, like we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Google Photos shouldn't be the only place you put your photos. No. You should have redundance. And the thing is nowadays with things like Amazon Photos, uh, iCloud Photos, you have all these potential other places that are basically sort of autonomous and, and happening. Just do it themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I would be curious to know if you you go into Google Photos and you look at, because you can scroll by date. Yeah. You go and see like, oh, I'm missing a bunch of photos or the photos that are there are all are all busted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Like, cause I, I have a few um, Google homes, right? And one of the features is you can use Google photos as your slideshow yep. on them. And so we have one in the kitchen and it's constantly going through my Google photos for better, or for worse. Yeah. Um, so I've never seen a distorted photo. Right. So I, you know, how distorted are they is the question. They don't really get into that so much, but it, it you know, to your point, John, it just brings up, the big issue of backup. And yeah. so especially, I think backup, you know, especially for memories, like photos and video, yeah. like you said, Google Photos, it's free up to a certain point. Yeah. 
if you're on the iPhone world, you most likely have iCloud going to back up your photos. If you don't, you should be. Yeah, you're, and, you're and dumb it, if you don't. You're only It's only a few dollars a month to have like basically unlimited photo storage. No, I know. I think I have the two terabyte plan for my family. Yeah. We're not even a fraction of into it, but at least I have peace of mind. Yeah. Like if I lose my phone or if I ever update, you know, upgrade my phone. Yeah. They're all there. Yeah. It's just so painfully or painless, painless. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you have an Amazon prime account, there's Amazon photos too. Yeah. And that's basically free. I think it's unlimited photos and there's a limit to how many videos you yeah. can upload. Use it. Yeah. Just set it up and forget it. Yeah. And that way your photos, I always, but I also back up on a, a little portable hard drive too. Yeah. Yeah. So be paranoid when it comes to, uh, to your photos. Well, cause <laughs> that's the number two question we get all the time. First one is my Wi-Fi sucks. How do I fix it? Yeah. Number two is, can I restore a photo that got deleted by accident? Yeah. Like if you have no backups, you have no backup. Yeah. So back up your photos. Yeah. Then you don't have to ask us that question. Google also in the news again, they tried to launch a cloud streaming service called Google, Google Stadia. And John, I always thought from the beginning, this was doomed to failure. Well, yeah, it, it sounded really fun and interesting. And it was one of the first ones that basically you just need a controller. And as long as you have some way of getting uh, Google to your TV, you could use this service to stream video games. But <laughs> you can kind of judge how popular or how much effort has been put into a system when we as the media get review units of these things. Yeah. And they sent you a controller that they wanted back for one. Yeah. And like it costs probably more to do all the shipping to and from me. Well, cause they overnighted it to you. Yeah. And then you had to overnight it to somewhere else. I know that costs more than the controller did. Yeah. So that, that it's, you're, it's a total barometer for yeah. like how yeah. committed they are to, to something. Yeah. They're just testing the waters. Which, you know, to put an asterisk beside everything Google, it's getting harder and harder to get excited about a new Google development because they keep the things that they should be keeping, they turf, they get yeah. rid of. Um, and it's hard to be loyal for something that you know is not going to be there in a yeah. year or two. You know, we talked about this uh, on last week's show, like, is Google losing yeah. innovation? I think they need to find a strong vision a leader that has a strong vision on that side to, to drive them forward. Like we're going to be talking about Amazon in our next segment. They've got a vision, man. They're unstoppable. Right yeah. Now. There is like a clear hard vision there for where they're going with their different devices and their software and, and web services. And you'll, you'll hear about that when we talk about some of these things, but Google, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I feel they're kind of a little, they're lost at sea lost at sea. We're going to have to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of new Amazon devices that have uh, been announced uh, over the past uh, few days that'll be coming maybe to your house. <laughs> I know they'll be coming to my house because I just love this stuff. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here, Canada's number one tech radio program still to come later in the show. We'll be talking about GM Super Cruise uh, feature on uh, some of the GM vehicles, General Motor uh, vehicles uh, that will let the car drive by itself. And uh, we uh, will also uh, be chatting about 3D printing in conflict zones. But let's talk about the Amazon announcement this uh, week. Uh, you know, especially here in the fall, all these guys seem to have big announcements. You know, there's Google, there's uh, Apple uh, and Amazon. It's interesting though. This Amazon uh, event was... 
by invite only. It wasn't like a public thing like like the Apple events are and, and other big launches. So this was really meant for uh, media, I think. And it was all virtual. Yeah. Um, and normally we've seen in the past, they have like these huge dumps of stuff. We literally have called it the Amazon dump truck full of stuff. <laughs> totally. Like what will stick? Yeah, well, because they, I mean... And, and this is what I love about it. They're trying all these different things. Yeah. Some of them are available right away. Yeah. And other ones are like, this is what we're thinking. Yeah. Like the Amazon microwave and, with and Alexa built in. Right. And yeah. so they want to sort of gauge the response to this concept. So they're kind of sharing their, their skunk works or their, yeah. you know, their, 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 uh, research lab, uh, developments. Um, and so there's a number of products that are sort of in the pipeline that may or may not ever show up, but there's also some, uh, stuff that's currently out there that, is getting some interesting upgrades. So one of the Amazon brands you, you might not have heard of, it, it's called Halo, not the video game. Um, it, they, they've got a little wrist wearable yeah. that tracks activity and things like sleep. It's kind of like their own version of Fitbit. Yeah. So they've come out with a new bedside, a bedside light called Halo Rise. It's kind of an interesting concept, right? Because I have a Google Home beside me. Yeah. One of the latest gen. And it can actually track sleep. Yes. But some people don't like having those things at their bedside because A, they feel, you know, privacy. Because yes. some of these things have cameras built into them. Yeah. So Amazon's kind of cognizant of this. And this Halo Rise, it's got no cameras. It's got no screen. It's just kind of like a a, a circular disc. Yeah. And all it does, you've got to power it, uh, is measure your sleep activity. It's basically a lamp. Yes. Yeah. And so it will actually, it's got a little clock in it too, like a little digital clock, uh, but it can help light things up in the morning to kind of simulate sunrise, Yeah. I guess. But at the same time, it's got sensors in it that are monitoring your breathing. Yeah. So, so you don't have to wear a wearable. That's the... That's the holy grail of sleep tracking, right? Is to not have to wear anything, not have to charge anything. Um, I'm always curious about these devices. Do they track more than one person? This one, they they were very clear it doesn't. It just finds the one person. So, yeah. you know, there's also pets, dogs. I got like three dogs in my bed sometimes. Yeah. Can't believe, you know, what have I done? <laughs> but anyway, um, it, it just locks onto the one person. <laughs> well, so that's interesting because my cat would basically sleep between me and the bedside table. Well, then you're going to know how your cat sleeps. I'm sure she Apparently sleeps Apparently it can well. detect cats <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or, or humans. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously we haven't got all the information on these yet and we haven't tried them out yet, but just, you know, something that they've uh, announced. Uh, okay. So this is something you use in your car, John, Amazon uh, Echo Auto. Yeah. It's a nice little bridge to Amazon in your car. Uh, I haven't used it so much lately, but what I like to use it for is I can have it set up so that as I'm driving to my house, I can have it turn all the lights. I can do all the things. I mean, there's ways to do it through Siri, but you have to have the right uh, compatible it, stuff. It needs your phone. It needs an internet connection. It does. Yeah. 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 But basically it gives you Alexa in the car. And what they've done is they've made a much smaller version of it. Yeah. Uh, much more uh, much easier to mount now in the car. The old one was kind of big and clunky, although I did kind of like it because it has a little light. And um, But it's not a replacement for stuff like um, CarPlay or Android Auto because yeah. you can get navigation from uh, from Alexa, but it's not it's not as good as having a, a map and navigation. Of course, right? yeah. So, um, but like, you know, she'll guide you. Um, but you can get anything you would use 
the smart speaker for in your car. I'm wondering, you know, for people that have newer cars that have like the big infotainment display with Apple CarPlay or yeah. uh, Google uh, Android Auto, do you think it's something for them or is it more for maybe older cars that don't have that? I think it's more for older cars. What I wish uh, Amazon would do was come out with a version that is like an app for CarPlay and Android Auto. Yeah. But I also think that they're not doing that because they've got they've also just announced some new partnerships with BMW and some other car manufacturers to integrate that as the operating system for the car. Yeah. So I think GM also has has um, Amazon integration as well. So I think that's where they, they all want to get in our cars. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the thing is, like CarPlay and Android Auto, there's a lot of other apps that give you the ability to do those same, same things, but they would also have to probably design a new interface for the car because that's the thing is uh, the, you know, echo, echo devices are typically voice driven, not screen driven. Yeah. So, um, which, I mean, that's the way our cars have been for years, you know? Yeah. Radio. That's why we have radio in there. Yeah. It's just yeah. voice. Okay. This is an interesting one. So Amazon, uh, a little while back, uh, bought a company called Eero. E-E-R-O. Uh, they make Wi-Fi routers, really good ones. And uh, they have some nice uh, mesh network systems. Uh, these are Wi-Fi routers that uh, give you Wi-Fi in your home. And they have little notes, so you can place them in your home to have this mesh network so you don't have dead spots. What I like about the Eero stuff is they don't look like routers. No. The, yeah. So they're very decor friendly. Yeah. You don't look like you have some alien technology. Because some of the routers we have, they do look like face-hugging aliens. Oh, yeah. Not good friendly. Yeah. So what's interesting now is I didn't even know this. Um, the current generation of the Echo Dots, these are these, um, you know, speakers that you can use the Amazon voice assistant on uh, and the new ones. They have some new ones coming out as well that have even better speakers built into them. They have this hidden feature. They're actually mesh nodes for yeah. the Eero yeah. router. And this is what I was saying off the top. This is the kind of the clever way. Like if you, if you go all in on the Amazon ecosystem. Yeah. You're probably going to want to have a smart speaker in some of the main rooms of your house. And this is the perfect way to combine those two devices into one thing. Yeah. Every room that you have uh, an echo speaker into will have fantastic Wi-Fi if you're in this system. Yes. So, I mean, that's cool, John. Like, so, you know, when you buy these mesh networks, typically you'll buy like a two or three pack. Yeah. And then you can add more if you need, but now you know, a lot of people have these Echo Dots or speakers in there, uh, and you'll have to check their website which ones have this feature, but a lot of the new ones, that acts as a kind of uh, another node. Yeah. Which it, is it, cool. And it's better than a repeater because yeah. it's it's basically a mesh network. So yeah. you have these giant umbrellas of, of wire Wi-Fi wi in places that you wouldn't normally have the, uh, easy access to a wired connection. And what was interesting, they're really pushing this whole new standard, Matter, which is a smart home standard that this system completely supports. And what's exciting about it, John, is that, you know, all these smart home manufacturers are building it in as well. And it's going to make it like 10 times easier to install these new devices. We've only got a minute left, yeah. but I want to talk about the Kindle Scribe. Okay. This is really cool. It's the first Kindle that they've made that actually lets you write on it with a pen. So great for making notes, taking annotations, all kinds of things like that. It's got a nice big screen. It's nicely backlit and it, um, the pen doesn't require any charging or anything like that. And they've made a lot of efforts to make it feel like you're writing on paper. Wow. So it's not inexpensive though. It starts at, I think 350 us 
US. Wow. So it'll be like 400 bucks Canadian probably. Probably 500 (laughs) (laughs) just with the dollar right now. Yeah. Okay, John, it looks like we're going to have to take another break. Uh, We'll be following up on uh, more Amazon uh, developments over the next uh, couple of weeks. When we come back, we're going to be talking about super cruising, car that can drive itself, and uh, the latest in 3D printing in conflict zones. You're listening Get Connected. We'll be back shortly after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Uh, A few weeks ago, I had a chance to try out some uh, cool technology, John, Uh, kind of uh, self-driving type of technology to some degree. Uh, It was on a Cadillac uh, Escalade, which was beautiful. Yes, it was a very nice vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, I felt pretty cool. Uh, But uh, the technology is called Super Cruise, and it actually kind of drove the car on on the highway. Uh, You know, obviously kept me, uh, you know, in the right uh, lane, uh, you know, from hitting any cars <laughs> in my lane, but also had some uh, lane changing capability. We've got uh, someone on from GM. His name is Jeff Miller. He's the assistant, uh, I for, forgot this already, assistant tech. Jeff, what are you? Assistant <laughs> chief engineer. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, we've got Jeff, the assistant chief engineer on the line from GM. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Super Cruise is not uh, a new thing uh, for for GM vehicles. It's been around for a few years now. That's right. It has been out for a few years now. Um, We initially launched it in 2017 on the Cadillac CT6, and we've expanded to our VIP electrical architecture, the Escalade, CT4, CT5, um, starting in model year 21, and we're continuing to to roll Super Cruise out. Is this kind of like an optional feature that people would pay for in those selected vehicles? It is. It is a box that you can check um, to select the option. Um, it's not standard, um, at least not yet, um, but there are talks to into doing so. And if if uh, someone was to buy one of those vehicles uh, and not get that, is it something that can just be activated or something has to be installed in, in the car? You do need hardware um, to enable Super Cruise to operate. It was developed around a driver attention system and precision LiDAR map um, data in addition to real-time cameras, sensors, and GPS. So that physical hardware you do need in, in the car as well as the software for Super Cruise to operate. I was pretty impressed. Uh, I, I, I do have a, a Tesla Model 3. I've got kind of the basic auto steer. I, I think the full self-driving package is like stupid, <laughs> stupid money. Yeah, like 15,000 or something. Yeah, maybe? just, and you know, yeah. do I want to pay that for something that's kind of beta. beta right now? Uh, what impressed me about uh, your Super Cruise, uh, Jeff, is uh, how well it worked, uh, you know, when you're on the highway, not only, uh, you know, keeping pace with the traffic, but I, I love the, the lane changing capability. Yeah, with the all new BIP electric electrical architecture, that's the vehicle intelligence platform, which started in the model year 21 on the Cadillac Escalade. Um, that electrical architecture afforded us the ability to continue to enhance features. And computer terminology has much more throughput capability, memory, et cetera, for us to create algorithms. And that allowed us to take um, what you knew as SuperCruise previously on the Global A architecture to expand that to include things such as lane change um, ability, um, like auto lane change, um, lane change on demand, trailering, and the continued road expansion that you're seeing. And so as far as uh, what roads it'll work on right now, from my understanding, is it just kind of, uh, you know, kind of the main highways? Yeah, so when we initially launched Super Cruise, we launched it on about 130,000 miles of limited access divided highways. Um, that's in both the U.S. and Canada combined. 
2019, we expand that to include what we call um, trunk roads. These are still divided highways, but there may be at-grade crossings. That brought us up to about 200,000 miles of supercruise-capable roads. That was in 2019. Um, and just recently, we've announced that we're going to more than double that. So we've gone from 200,000 to we're going to be up over 400,000 miles of compatible roads in the U.S. and Canada. In Canada specifically, we're going to more than triple it. Um, so today in Canada, Supercruise operates on about 24,000 kilometers of roads. We're going to be up towards 80,000 once, once this uh, road expansion is, is rolled out. And Jeff, how does that work? Do you guys actually have to drive those roads or are, are these cars learning those roads uh, in real time? So we have a relationship with the supplier Usher um, and we've worked on with them since the, the very beginning. They have LiDAR equipped vehicles and they have to physically take these LiDAR equipped vehicles out to scan the roads. Um, and from those scans, we're able to compile a map. And this map isn't just um, scanning the roads we're adding information for road curvature number of lanes entrance and exit points etc that that map that we're building is then stored in in a module on the vehicle and that's what geofences supercruise so to speak um supercruise will only operate on those roads that have been mapped jeff would you um classify this technology you know the supercruise technology is it more of a safety feature or a convenience feature supercruise is not um, a safety feature it's an advanced driver assistance system that's meant to enhance the driving experience. Um, through my years of experience in, in utilizing Supercruise, not only does it enhance the driving experience, but I've known noticed that it, it does relieve a lot of the fatigue and monotony of driving, especially if you're taking you know daily commutes that you have frequent stop and go traffic or long drives on vacation. Jeff, can you explain when does the car decide to change a lane? Because this is the part that Mike and I were talking about earlier, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around, like, obviously, if you're following a slow driver and, and there's the ability to change and go around them, that's one thing. But is that the only instance where it would actually change a lane? Because I think a lot of people might have trouble relinquishing that kind of control to a car until they've tried it. So... In our VIP electrical architecture, we have two ways to change lanes. We have lane change on demand, which we launched on in 21, again, on our VIP electrical architecture. That is where um, the driver has to physically um, hit the turn signal stock. You can do a full latch or a momentary press. That tells the system, hey, I want to change lanes. It'll then utilize the sensors uh, and cameras in the vehicle to determine if there's if that lane is open. And, and when it is open, it will change lanes. And then from start to finish in the in the cluster messaging, you'll get a display that tells you what the system is doing, that it's looking for a lane opening, it's found one, it's changing lanes, and then it's completed. So that's lane change on demand. Building on top of that great feature, in 22, we launched auto lane change. This is where the system is, is really um, able to lane, change lanes all on its own without the driver having to um, to step in and hit the turn signal stock. And basically what it's looking for is it's it's utilizing um, the following gap but between you and the vehicle ahead of you. And if you have a set speed, say at 70 um, kilometers per hour, but the vehicle ahead of you is going slower, the system is going to recognize that and it knows that you wanna stay at 70. Um, so it will look for a lane to the left to change into to maintain your set speed. We also utilize auto lane change to get you out of a lane that may be ending. And we know when lanes are ending based off that map that I described and, and the number of lanes and, and, and when those may be ending. So auto lane change will get you out of a lane um, well in advance of that lane actually ending. And, and how well could it see, say, a car in that 
empty lane approaching very rapidly, like, but still very far away and pulling into that lane would slow that other vehicle down dramatically. Uh, if you make, we do, we do have complex algorithms that, that are set in place so that you're not changing lanes into, um, a lane that has a vehicle that's approaching very quickly from the rear. We certainly don't want to cut somebody off or tick somebody off. Um, so in order to enable auto lane change and lane change, lane change on demand, we did have to add additional sensors or radars to the rear of the vehicle so that we can get that, that rear uh, vision, so to speak, to determine when, when vehicles are approaching you. We're talking with Jeff Miller from GM uh, about uh, a feature called Super Cruise, uh, available in a, a number of uh, GM vehicles. Uh, had a chance to try it out in the Cadillac Escalade. Uh, you know, one thing, Jeff, I, I really appreciated. Um, you know, obviously the technology is super cool. I'm a nerd. I love it, but it just made me feel really comfortable driving it. You know, the Cadillac Escalade, it's beautiful. It's big, and you know, for some people that might not be as comfortable to drive such a large vehicle, but when you have this feature, it just, uh, it almost makes it effortless, really. You just feel a lot more comfy when you are driving on the highway, knowing that you've got your extra buddy there, uh, <laughs> helping stay in the lane and doing the, the lane changes. Yeah, it truly is a feature that once you've used it, you can't live without it. Uh, at least that's been my experience and a lot of the customers and media journalists that I've talked to, they've had that same experience. Once they've used it, it's a feature that they can't live without. Yeah, it's. I got to tell you, it's hard because I, I also have a big uh, truck, you know, because I have a, a trailer. And after driving that Cadillac, you know, then I was driving my truck. It hurt. It, <laughs> it was painful. It's like going from a touchtone phone back to a, a rotary phone. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I have to tell you, with the first time I did the lane change, I was a little freaked out. Yeah. You're like you're giving a, a bit of trust to this car. And make no mistake, you're not taking your hands off the wheel and just like, you know, having a nap when this thing is <laughs> doing the super cruise. But, um, you know, I did the, the auto lane change thing for a few times. And then, you know, I just I felt, com- you know, confidence in it. So, uh, Jeff, I have to say it's a pretty cool technology. Where can people find out more information about super cruise? So there's a lot of places that you can you can find out information. You can obviously go to your local dealer. There's a lot of information, um, wealth of information online. Um, We have instructional videos, um, videos on how to use the system, what vehicles it's available on all of our brand sites. So you can go to the Chevy, um, the the Cadillac or the GMC brand sites and and pull up information there. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thank you. That was Jeff Miller from GM talking about uh, their Super Cruise feature on uh, many of the GM vehicles. When we come back from the break, 3D printing in conflict zones. Back after this. You are back with the program. Uh, here and Get Connected, we always like to talk about the latest in technology. 3D printing is something that you're very heavy into, John. Yes. Well, we've got a cool guest. His name's uh, Bob, Bob Cow. He is with a company called Pantheon, uh, a Canadian-based company actually based here in Vancouver. Just around the corner from our office. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of fun. We went uh, to your place back uh, a little while ago. Was it during the pandemic? I can't even remember uh, anymore, uh, Bob. But it was fascinating. Like you make these really cool 3D printers. Uh, John was super impressed just because of the, uh, I guess, the hardiness of them, but also mm-hmm. the speed of them uh, as well. And so your printers are, aren't made for hobbyists, right? They're more kind of industrial, more business focused. Yeah, exactly. They're really meant for kind of industry. They're meant for manufacturers trying to. They're meant for manufacturers trying to defend their supply chain manufacturing. You know, Pantheon, our background has always been making stuff, whether it was manufacturing or hardware design. At the end of the day, the hardest part about building a thing was just getting all the parts into the building on time. And, you know, we built the tools to do as much of that ourselves as we could. 
just like any manufacturer, whether it's you know two guys in a shed or Honda, vertical integration or doing it yourself has always been the best solution to defend yourself against supply chain and delays. And what we did was build a 3D printer that could make composite parts like as strong as metal, strong as aluminum die casting that let you in-house, you know, a thousand times more stuff than you could before. So what kind of pieces would you make? Like, could you make like a car part or? Yeah, like it's, you know, the beauty with additive manufacturing is that the same piece of hardware, the same machine can make things from a variety of different industries. You know, just right now from our early customers, there are agricultural drone manufacturers manufacturing like large electrical and battery housings with our technologies. Um, we even have local companies that make some things that you would never even think of, like little bits of ladders, parts of electric motors in the agricultural and um, app processing industry, all the way to special effects and stuff for the film industry. It's all the same machine using the same tools. And the thing that Mike highlighted, uh, what I really thought was interesting with your platform is you sort of redesigned the 3D printer from the ground up, taking into account a number of things, and you benefit from a lot of uh, interesting features. It's one of the fastest printers I've ever seen that's a filament base. Yeah. Um, you've got a really modular um, uh, hot end. So it's, yeah. it's so one of the big problems with at least a consumer 3D printer, Mike, is that if you're printing a lot of stuff, eventually you're gonna have a clog or some other downtime. Yeah. If you're doing it for a business though, you don't have that time to wait for that replacement part to yeah. come in. And then you hope that some guy at the office knows how to actually unclog that or right. fix that, right? Yeah. So, so Bob, can you just sort of explain some of the, the unique features about your printer? Yeah, totally. Just to elaborate a little bit, like, yeah, every machine breaks. Yeah. If someone says it doesn't break, they're just lying to you. Yeah. Everything wears out eventually in the physical world. And that's something that we took really from the start in our design principles, that every part of our system is designed to be serviceable and modular so that any one of our customers can maintain them. You know, once again, we're getting customers that are doing real manufacturing with our hardware. If our printer breaks, you know, they're losing money every second it's not running. And we've done everything possible. So when all of the critical wear components, if something jams, something wears out, it's less than five, 10 minutes to swap out and have it back operational. And pretty much anyone can do that. You never have to retune, you never have to calibrate things. All of that's handled automatically. Because that's, at least with the consumer printers, because you have a lot less things going on to sort of monitor what's going on when you're printing. Um, it's sometimes really hard to figure out what the problem is, why it's not printing, but having this so modular and the ability for anybody with very minimal tools to just do the hot swap almost. Yeah, you know, I think that we've designed as much reliability into parts that would traditionally wear out. Um, and then on the other side, the really sensitive components, the actual, the thing that deposits the plastic, the entire printhead can be hot swapped in under two minutes. Yeah. And that's really, you know, if, something's going to fail that requires real technical know-how to repair that's really the only, that's the major component that's likely and our customers can swap a new one on and just send us our, the old one for us to refurbish and it takes them a minute or two so just to get an idea here um you know these consumer printers you know you see them on sale for a few hundred bucks yeah like how much is a pantheon printer yeah so a pantheon printer right now 
It ranges between ten and about seventeen thousand dollars, depending okay. on how many you're buying yeah. and the exact spec you want for each one. Um, it's definitely at the higher end of the price range, but in the industrial world, you know, additive systems start at about ten grand and go up to about three hundred thousand. So we're still very affordable in the industrial spectrum. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that your, I guess, mean time bef- between failure is much longer with the, the thought and the, the engineering that you put into this machine. Yeah, that's a great point too. So, you know, with most 3D printing platforms that use filament, um, the average amount of usage a month is about 1.5 to two kilos a month of deposition. Um, so that's kind of like how much people use it. With our systems, with our existing customer base, we're seeing average deposition of about 15 to 20 kilos a month. You know, the usage is 10 times higher. And because of that, we've had to do a ton of work into just getting the failure rates way lower because it's when you use something 10 times as much, it's gotta be 100 times more reliable to not see it constantly be an issue. We've been talking with Bob Cow from Pantheon Printing, 3D printers. Oh, Pantheon Design. Pantheon Design, sorry. Uh, makers of uh, super cool high-end uh, 3D printers. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. I want to thank uh, everyone for tuning in today. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It's on Sundays, across the course radio network. Uh, and if you're in Toronto, it's right after this program, Saturday nights. Uh, on this week's app show, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence and Darth Vader, how computers are now doing his voice for the new TV series. And uh, we'll also be talking about a better Bluetooth, so uh, more CD quality sound when you're using your wireless earbuds and speakers. And Facebook getting class action lawsuited for breaking some of uh, Apple's privacy uh, rules. I want to thank John Beeler my co-host and producer, and uh, Robin, back at the studio for making this all work. We'll see you again next time.